Hello stars, you're welcome to the Stellify podcast, where we help you live intentionally, maximize capacity, and explore purpose. This is not your cliche self-help show. Here we preach what we practice, that you can leverage in your own life. Get ready to move from regular to stellar. I am your host, Bralade. The Stellification begins. Hello stars, you're welcome to today's episode of our Preach What You Practice guest segment on the Stellify podcast. And I have a phenomenal guest with me and you're going to be learning all about him really soon. He's only the second guy ever. <laughs> okay, no, actually the third guy to be featured on the Stellify podcast. And y'all know I don't bring any guy who isn't super supportive of women. And I, I really appreciate you, Shadrach, for being that. I will read his bio and then you'll get to hear him real soon. So Shadrach Stevens is an award-winning engineering leader, community advocate, mentor, and founder of Reengineer. He has made an impact within his profession by creating value in every role that he has served in. That's true. I know that to be true. <laughs> As a reliability, maintenance, and engineering leader, He develops and energizes teams that are committed to changing the current reality and are focused on delivering value. As a result of this collaboration, his improvement teams have generated over a hundred million of value creation. Did you all hear that? Okay. (laughs) Shadrach began his professional journey in 2003 and has progressed from several engineering roles for several Fortune 100 companies to where he is now as a global improvement leader and reliability director for the Environmental Technology Center at Dow. So Shadrach joined Dow in 2007, and he's held several positions. Now, in 2009, he had an opportunity to partner with a faith-based organization to provide project leadership. I would like to hear that in the execution of a $6.5 million community center in Houston, Texas. Outside of his corporate engagements, Shadrach started Reengineer, a collaborative community of professionals that are bridging the developmental gap outside the STEM disciplines. As the founder, he aspires to close this gap through mentorships, providing access to professional development resources, and by extending the voice of underrepresented diversity groups. One example of how Reengineer is creating value in the STEM space is the Reengineer magazine. That one is dope. I'm going to add a link of it in the show notes here, which is a quarterly STEM publication focusing on diversity, collaboration, and professional development. Wow, Shadrach, and I know I didn't even cover your whole career, right? But thank you for summing that up for us. You're welcome to the Stellify podcast. Wow. No, thank you, Broladay. Um, you know, it's quite an honor. Uh, I guess I'm in great company to be the only, uh, the third male uh, as a part of the <laughs> podcast series. So definitely honored and appreciative of what you're doing. Um, definitely you and I have been you know, a good relationship of, over the last several years. And, you know, this month is Women's History Month. And so we yes, recognize- yeah, yeah, we recognize you for. I, I see the work you've been doing, like recognizing several women. Can can you? <laughs> yeah, from there maybe. Maybe yeah, we could we could take it there. You know, it's a it's a conversation, right? So, um, one thing I've noticed, especially with the the work that we're doing with Reengineer, is that there's a, a narrative that exists that says, you know, uh, you know, diverse STEM professionals, or even just across all disciplines and all industries, there's not enough. African-Americans or minority uh, professionals that, that are thriving in their careers. And I challenge that because I'm good friends, good uh, colleagues with amazing, talented people. Um, mm-hmm. And a good percentage of those people are actually women. And I said, well, we, we got to start changing the narrative and, and shed some positive light um, on, on yeah. what's current across the nation. So we decided this month uh, to really feature uh, outstanding women in industry. Um, and that's all industries, not just in STEM, uh, but that are, are actually making history. Yeah. I think it, it's great to go back in time and, and you know, people always say, hey, give, give people their flowers while they're still here on Earth, right? 
so I think it's great to recognize the outstanding women in, in the past history, but I wanted to, to put a spin on it this month and recognize women that are currently making it. You, you are doing great with that. You're basically averaging one woman per day. I don't know how you <laughs> pulled up that feat. How did you do it? Yeah, so, I, you know, really I could extend it for a couple of months. I, I just know so many amazing women. Uh, <laughs> and, and well, the, it's the, one thing to know them, and it's another thing, you know, how you did, you got their bios, you made some graphics with their pictures. And I think that is something that, you know, people take for granted. They don't quite realize just how powerful it is to place these people in front of the world and let them see so that they can aspire to be. That's the key. You know, I couldn't have said it better. And the intent behind it is not only to just recognize and celebrate women, but also that, you know, the next gen generation of, of professionals can see this as well. And these ladies are, are really what I call the, uh, um, the, the possibility, right? So if, if you are a young student, uh, you know, in grade school or, or attending college, you know, you want to st- strive to be whatever the possibilities are. And so with mm-hmm. the, the women that we're featuring with outstanding careers, you know, just, just really, uh, you know, you know, bosses, if, if I can use that word in driving, not just being, yeah, success in careers, but even taking care of the home front. Right. And even really volunteering back in the community. So, and the community too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so let me ask you, right. It's women's history month. What woman has been impactful either to your career or who's been your role model in history or in your family or in your life? Yeah, so I, I got a really default to, to my mom, right? She's the, <laughs> the first the first woman I ever knew, right? Uh, and she mm. gave birth to me. But really because the sacrifices she made, so not just myself, but for my brothers included, that we could go off and have, you know, exceptional lives and careers. Um, and it takes a lot of courage to do that. And she had a career where she was really focused in, in developing herself um, in, in the medical industry. And she made a decision, you know, to put that on hold so that she could raise a family. Um, so for me, it's, it's you know, how do you uh, prepare the next generation? You make sure that you're ingrained in them the knowledge, wisdom, and training um, as you're raising these kids up so that they can go off and create wonderful families as well. So my inspiration comes from my mom, um, she's also a, a licensed florist, and she does a, a lot of work on the oh, side wow. of that. So people always say, hey, Shadrach, you got tons of creativity. Hook me uh, up. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think my, what's it, my, my left brain comes from my mom. Uh, my dad's actually a... I know. Uh, <laughs> you're so good with, like, artsy stuff and writing yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I got to give credit to my mom for that. I think she... Uh, <laughs> you know, from her foundation and and raising Mm -hmm. us, uh, a little bit of that has spilled off into who I am today. All right. So tell us a little bit about Shadrach. I know there's something you didn't mention here, but I know that you are named 40 under 40 for your college and uh, the prestigious alumni, right? And that's just one of the awards that you've received. Tell me a little bit about Shadrach and like Shadrach from college to here, what's been his journey? And what is something, some nuggets you want to pull out for us? Sure. You know, just outstanding with the, the awards and the recognitions, but how about I just take a step back? Um, I think really Shadrach, above anything, is a, is a husband and a father. And a, a beautiful family, um, you know, loving wife and two kids. And I want to make sure because they also are part of who I am as a professional. Right. And um, as a result, you know, I'm an advocate as well for improvement. Uh, I do a lot of work in the community. Um, You know, we'll we'll talk about this at some point, but I actually took a sabbatical for my career um, to join a faith based organization to drive some um, some work around in the the local area. And um, and it's all about how can we not just make change, but how can we improve systems and processes and people? Uh, whether or not that's in my own life or in the community or just even in my, my day job serving as a leader um, or just like any other person, I enjoy seeing positive progression. I like really enjoy going from point A to point B 
and taking people with you, um, because that, that's why I think you can impact lives. Um, I had a mentor really quick. I had a mentor that told me um, something that was that was really life changing for me. Um, I was sharing a strategy I was working on with them. And I said, look, I'm excited about this. I've been working on it for the last couple of weeks and we're going to make a lot of changes. And he stopped me and he said, uh, you know, take that word change out of your vocabulary. You want to. Yeah. You, you want to make improvements. Right. You want to put that out in the universe that it's not just about changing because changing does not necessarily mean success. Yes. Yes. He said you want to have a mentality where the driver is making improvements. Um, and so I've tried to, to apply that same concept either at home life or, you know, in work or the things I'm doing in the community. Um, but yeah, so Shadrach's also, you know, in terms of who I am as a professional, uh, just about 20 years of experience within manufacturing and reliability and I've progressed now to the, the global improvement um, and reliability director for Dow Inc. Uh, I've learned that really in order to sustain growth, and create these value creation opportunities, uh, the team needs to have a, a core belief, which I, I coined the term one team mentality. Um, I think it's, it's really the foundation of how we do everything because it is centered around this thought of uh, collaboration. When, when the team is diverse and inclusive and engaged, I think that's where you deliver the most significant results. And it's not just a, a theory I have. Um, I've seen this in practice so You're many times. It, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like uh, even even in my uh, my Dow career, whenever I've engaged with you know people from the shop floor or the plant floor, all the way up through leadership, um, and had some consistency with how we collaborate, that's where I've seen the most uh, you know impactful improvements in some of the projects that I've been a part of. So someone is listening to you now and they're saying, hey, Shadrach, you probably had a great team and, you know, they cooperated with you. My team isn't listening. I had these great ideas and I think we could push this forward and make all these, you know, awesome improvements. What would you tell that person? So maybe a, a parallel example and, and then I'll jump into the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at sports, right, which is most of the uh the sports teams and, and whatnot are, are really centered around this collaborative effort to win games, right? So if I take football as an example, uh, there's the, the spring season as you kind of get prepared um, for the fall in mm-hmm. your first subset of games. And the team does a, a great job to really uh, practice together uh, multiple times a day, go through the playbook, uh, spend time outside of the field, even with their families. And what's really happening in that spring session is their cohesiveness is growing and they're developing relationships. And I I think no matter if it's sports or in the professional life, what's key for any successful team is you have to be able to feel like you respect each of the team members and you have to have a relationship. And so my advice really is as you're going on this journey of of driving improvements and getting ideas uh, brought to the table for success, it's how do you, number one, establish the, a core relationship between each of the team members. And I think if I look at those successful teams that I've been a part of, we've always had that as the foundation, whether or not it's, you know, going to uh, graduation parties, you know, spending time for, for birthdays or just mm-hmm. uh, enjoying their extracurricular activities um, for the people that have been on my teams outside of work. It's all about how do you foster the relationship so that I understand what motivates you, you know, yeah. what's your driver in life, not just when you when you clock in and go to work, but what mm-hmm. what gets you out of the bed, what excites you, what are you passionate about, and if I can connect with you at that level, then there's a mutual respect for each other, and then now we can start talking about how do we improve systems and processes and people because now we've developed this foundation of a relationship. Wow. <laughs> I really like that. So building the relationships are, is key before, you know, making a change. And I remember when I first got my leader role, this was one of the uh, words of advice he gave me. Don't rush into just change. 
things don't rushing to improve. I mean, what, when you're saying improve, they're still hearing change, right? So don't rush in to just immediately improve, get to learn them, get to walk in their shoes so that you're even solving the right things. Just as a strategy, right, for people who are somewhere and say, hey, Shadrach, I wish I could identify opportunities like you do. Can you share some tips for someone who's coming into an organization or they're already in the organization, how they can begin to spot those gaps? What kind of perspectives should they have? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So I I, I talk a lot about mentors in the past, um, and so I'm going to stem on some of these examples. I I had a mentor one day um, came to me towards the the end of the the year, the calendar year, and he asked me, he said, Shadrach, can you uh, share with me your, your brag list? And I was like, what is what is a brag list? Um, and he broke it down. He said, you know, a list of things that you've accomplished throughout the year and how have you associated some financial value tied to that accomplishment? Um, and so I didn't have that right away. And I had to, to go to work to uh, to co- compile that document. But what he what he really shared with me is that everything that we touch um, creates some level of value. And if you're working for a business, obviously that business, you know, its number one goal is to, to be financially viable. And so you got to translate the work that we do into some, some, some type of financial success. And so what I've learned through that process is always follow the money, right? So we talk, you know, value mm-hmm. creation is not always, you know, some roles that you may have may not always translate um, to financial improvements, but the majority of them can. And so uh, even though I'm, you know, classically trained as an engineer, I've spent a majority of my time with um, cost accountants, you know, finance directors, because I want to understand how cost flows. If you can understand cost, then you can translate that to the work that you do that comes back in return and creates value. Right. So as a young engineer, I learned that as a foundational element um, early on in every job I've had, it's. Hey, the first thing I want to see, or, you know, obviously create the relationships and build them over time. But then what is uh, next is I want to understand how my organization creates value and how does that translate into how we make financial improvements for the company. That is so good. That is so good because then you're kind of putting your finger on the heartbeat of the company, right? Yeah, it, it's, a, no, it's, a, it's like, you know, organizations create um, goals every year. Right. And you want to try to find the best way to align your mm-hmm. department and your team to the organization's goal. And most times, uh, you know, those goals have some financial element to it. And in order to, to, to show that your team is competitive and your department is competitive, it's uh, it's more better suited for you to have that alignment back to those financial goals. Uh, sure, there's going to be other things that you got to work on to make improvements. But at the end of mm-hmm. the day, our, our core is as a company, as a business, is to, to make revenue, right? And so how how does my department and my organization do that? You know, what's our sweet spot into creating value back for the company? Okay, great. All right, so that's a perfect place. I mean, we've established your competence and just your keen eye for opportunities and value in a company. Let me get to my favorite part now. <laughs> The work you do in the community and, you know, why I say community or when I say community, if you're listening to me now, you're thinking, oh, maybe it's their locality, it's the area where they live. No, the world is a global village right now. And I see Shadrach leading that collaboration, fostering it really, not even just leading it, but just creating an environment where it can happen, bringing people together in re-engineer, having some international people. I don't even know how you pull that off. Shadrach, could you share a little bit? How did this idea come forth? Like your work wasn't busy enough, like your family and your babies <laughs> didn't take that much more of your time. How did you manage to do all of this? Yeah, you, you know what? I wish I could, could take the credit for it. Um, actually, it was an insp- inspiration by uh, by God. And, uh, and, and the way I explain this is I've always had this burning desire to do more. And mm-hmm. I guess what, what created that, if I take a step back, is I mentioned I took a little brief sabbatical to support a, a faith-based uh, church organization. And yeah. most people, when I did that, most people thought, 
hey, Shadrach, what are you going to, you know, you're leaving, you know, the company to go be a pastor or, or you know, a minister? And it's like, ah, not, not quite. I have a, a lot of respect and, uh, and reverence for uh, ministers and pastors and, and, and you know, just um, shepherds. Uh, but that's not actually what I did. What, what happened was I used my education and my skill set as an engineer to help them build a, a six and a half million dollar community center uh, for a disenfranchised part of Houston, Texas. And through the process of doing that, I was actually volunteering um, for several months. And the team you know, that I supported actually loved the work that we were doing. And they came back and said, look, we'd love to, to make this more of a full time position. And so I gained so much you know, knowledge in how to be a leader, how to be a servant leader. Mm. You know, it's, it's quite different from when you're a manager and you have people that report to you and you pay their salaries uh, versus if you're leading in a space that's a nonprofit where people are on the team, not because they are getting a salary, but because they have a passion for it. And so I, I gained a, a lot of experience in that, in that role. Um, also helped them to create a little bit of value in the process. And as I transitioned out of that, I said, you know what, this is something I want to continue doing, right? Just because I'm not in this this role of a facilities director anymore, how else can I make an impact? And, you know, for a couple of years, I just kind of sat on the idea. Um, I didn't know how to get started. And so I, I kind of put it on the shelf for a while. And as I was driving one day, um, just kind of thinking about what's ahead, you know, in my life and my family's life. Um, this idea came to me, and I, you know, I asked Scott, I said, you know, what, what, do, what can I do? You know, what, what, how can I use these skill sets to, you know, empower a community, um, like you mentioned, even broadly across the world? And the the message I got or received was, you're already doing it. I'm like, so what do you mean, guy? <laughs> like, I'm confused. What? You know, I have a job, you know, I go to work every day, I'm driving value, and I'm kind of re-engineering processes to create the value. And I don't know, just kind of like the spirit fell on me and said, that's it. You want to re-engineer possibilities for people and then across the community. And that's where actually the, the name, the idea of the name came from, was uh, re-engineering. That, and and the, the core definition of re-engineer is to improve people, systems, and processes you know, to go from point A to point B, but have some level of value created when you make that transition. And so uh, with that being said, you know, I went to work. Now that, you know, was blessed to have the idea and some structure behind it. Um, we started out with just trying to capture value creation stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and I, we chat about this, you know, offline. But in this world that we live in, it's, it's kind of like a microwave, kind of quick, fast-paced world. And sometimes people, <laughs> Tell me about it. yeah, it's just the reality of the, the days and times that we're in. And, um, and sometimes people just want, you know, quote unquote, a quick fix. They want a solution that they can leverage mm. um, or at least, you know, look at some examples that yeah. they can tailor for their own problems. And so we started with just publishing case studies, you know, specifically around the STEM disciplines. And if you're a young professional or developing professional and you need some help, um, you can leverage in some of these case studies. And from that moment, you know, we created a website, um, started networking with other uh, other organizations, whether or not that be for profit mm-hmm. or nonprofit. And, and now fast forward to today, where we have this platform where we're trying to bridge the developmental gap across all of the STEM disciplines, um, you know, with a little bit of focus in manufacturing, because that's my background. But really, I've been yeah. blessed been blessed to connect with a lot of subject matter experts um, around the world. Because uh, I, I guess once you start putting the, the vision out, you know, people gravitate mm-hmm. towards it. And, and, and God has blessed me with people that have reached out and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. Hmm. And, you, 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 you know, there's so many people God has given an idea and they're thinking like, okay, I'm just working or... Like that would never work. And who would send me stories or how would I, how would this even make an impact? What What would you say as well? Cause I'm, I'm really asking you these mentorship type questions because you are a mentor. You, you occupy a space where many young men and women could see themselves in, in um, a few years. So I, I want them to learn kind of how you did it because it doesn't sound like the, 
you know, it's not a business per se. It's not you trying to sell something. So some people might wonder, like, how does this make an impact? So would you share a little bit about um, how someone with such an idea should go about it? Yeah, I think uh, the first part of the question is, as I mentioned, I kind of sat on this, you know, idea or just an opportunity for a couple of years. And what happened to me uh, personally is I had a good, really good friend, co-worker um, that, that worked with me. And we talked about, you know, some of the things we're doing in reengineering today. We talked about that several years ago about doing it for our organizations. And we had some really innovative ideas, right? Um, challenging the status quo. I mean, break, having major breakthroughs in the way we do work for our departments. And what happened was she actually, unfortunately, had a tragic accident and uh, it turned out to be fatal. Mm. And that that just resonated with me personally because, not, for one, we had these great ideas and now she's not here anymore for us to go see them through. But then secondly is tomorrow's not promised, right? And, and if you have this, this passion, this burning desire in you, um, I believe as soon as you're born, God places a seed in you, a passion, a purpose. And it's up to us to kind of work on it and cultivate it. And he's going to give us the tools and the resources as the provider, mm. right? Um, and, and even some watering from, from time to time, <laughs> some trimming, right? Some trimming back from time to time. But we've we got to take action. And, I mean, who knows if, uh, if that accident wouldn't have happened if I would still be in this position I'm in today. But that really lit a fire under me because, like I said, tomorrow's not promised. We have to take action and go yeah. after our passion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the advice that I would give is uh, just really get started. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I share th- this, uh, this uh, cliche of a quote every, every once in a while, but nobody's like, don't be afraid. Nobody's concerned mm. if you fail. Like there, there's probably, you know, thousands of failures that happen every day that people don't, don't talk about. We have this imposter syndrome. Like we're afraid that nobody's going to receive the idea or it's, or it's going to take a long time to develop. And, and sure enough, it, most times it does, unless you're like a, you know, a Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, Steve Jobs <laughs> with Apple, you know, you, you may have this brilliant, innovative idea that just takes off right away. But most it didn't even just take off right away. He had to still establish himself, right? Even Facebook didn't take off right away. Exactly, right? So it's a, it takes time, right? And, and you gotta gotta mm-hmm. be a little patient. There's one thing I always say too. What's my wife? She she I, I gotta give her credit for coining this term. Um, being a, aggressively patient. So you, you have the idea. And it's it's a there's a fire in you to go and see some results from fire. The yeah, I love that. <laughs> but, but sometimes you got to be patient. You got to let it. Mm, that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And, and <laughs> I'm just I'm a, you know this is a, a real conversation. And so I know I've, I've quit reengineering like a hundred times already. <laughs> you have. <laughs> we didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I because you know. People don't naturally talk about their failures, right? But I've had a lot of failures mm-hmm. with reengineering. Ah, that's true. Mm, that's that's a key one you just mentioned. That's so true. Yeah, you that's know, so and, true. And and sometimes you know you don't always get the support right away, and you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I've had it. You know, nobody's believing in this vision. Uh, they're not supporting it. So you know, hey, I'm gonna hang it up. But for yeah. me, that that fire was still there, and. It's like, I can't take no for an answer. If, if I run across a brick wall, there's got to be a window that I can find that I can... Some way. <laughs> so what's up next for Reengineer? I mean, you guys have such a fabulous home in your website. You're collaborating, you're fostering these discussions and um, creating value. We have the um, magazine. What What's next? What should we expect this year? Yeah, so what's next? Our, our next initiative, um, which is going to be coming out sometime in April, we're still working on the team to develop it out. But we're taking mentorship into a broader audience where mm. where today it's all about the one-on-one conversation, which I, I think is still needed. 
but we're trying to open it up to now groups of yes. conversation, right? And um, and we're building a platform now to uh, to have what we're going to probably call real talk with the reengineers. Um, I love that, and, and it's going to be. Uh, and I actually, you know, I talk a lot about the mentors, but I, I did have one really good mentor and I, that I watched from from a, a distance. And what he would do is he was extremely busy guy, leading an entire organization, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. But he carved out twice a month. He carved out an hour to an hour and a half every month and had an open um, agenda just for anybody to call in and ask questions and seek advice oh, wow. and get perspectives. And so that's the kind of format we're going to be going to where we're going to have an open call-in session where people can get some uh, some some answers to their burning questions and hopefully get some results from them. That's great. Looking forward to that. I'll be on the front row. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> well, you know, front row seat. <laughs> you, you, you probably be, will be one of our subject matter experts and panelists. You know, we're always learning every day, every day. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing about people who have like a – uh, learning heart, wherever you go, you're able to learn. Even when I go to my kids' kindergarten classes and, you know, I- I'm there as a career professional supposed to inspire them, they inspire me. They teach me something in some way. So I, I really love that. Yeah. So let me ask you, there's a question I ask all of my guests who come on this show. People have such great practices or habits or principles, but most times people don't get to hear them. So today we want to hear what your practices are and to just share it with us, almost like a guiding principles for life and how they've helped you and how we can apply them in our own lives. Sure. Uh, I have three. I mean, there's there's several of them. Um, I think mm-hmm. obviously if you're a learner, you know, there's a lot of uh, resources and books out there that you can uh, you can leverage in. But for me, the, the three top ones, I talked a little bit about one of them was a being aggressively patient. And for me, how I define that is really there, there are no unrealistic goals, just unrealistic timelines. Right. So we, we put, I think sometimes a lot of stress on ourselves because we want to accomplish these goals in, in our career or in life. And once we don't meet the, the deadline, we get frustrated and that causes extra stress. But in essence, what we should probably do is just be more realistic on the timeline. Right. So even even myself, I've had to learn that with reengineering. That's why I said, you know, I failed, you know, hundreds of times is through the process of, of driving this vision is now be more strategic and placing more time in between when I start a goal to when I finish it. Um, and that that has brought down my stress level tremendously. Um, I think the next one is and I kind of get this from the, the corporate world uh, more. Um, is having a, a razor sharp focus. Um, there's a saying, and, and if you guys want to check this out uh, by the McKenzie brothers, uh, the four disciplines of execution, you can try to Google that. There's a lot of good content. But there's a saying that says, there will always be more great ideas than you have the capacity mm. to execute. Wow. So most people, you know, they have good ideas, right? And, and they want to go accomplish a lot in their lifetime. But you, if you have you know, 20 goals in a year's time, most likely you're only going to get two or three of them completed in a year, right? But if you can apply just this razor-sharp focus on three or four goals, then you have a higher probability of success of getting the three or four goals complete. So sometimes you got to take the great ideas, put them on the shelf for a while, um, let them marinate, but focus on the really top priorities that you want to get done and execute it. Um, and then the last one, uh, I think, you know, obviously we talked a lot about value creation, but creating value by working in your sweet spot. And, and I know mm. some people, yeah, some people talk about, hey, I, I want to work in my passion, right? But I, I use the word sweet spot because sometimes the things that you're doing as a passion may not always translate into, like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, it might not translate into sales, you know, or, or if you're a leader, sometimes you're passionate about certain things, but that's not in relationship to your department or your organization. So when I, when I define your sweet spot, it's really the, the compilation of three things. The first one is whatever you're passionate about, okay, whatever you're mm-hmm. enthusiastic about, 
if you can align that to whatever you're skilled in or what talents you have. So like for me, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a trained engineer, um, but one of my passions is creating value, right? So there, there's, there's some kind of connection there. And then the third yeah, element is. is what is the burning platform or what is the need, right? So for, for myself as an example, I'm an engineer by discipline. I'm skilled and trained to do reliability engineering. I have a passion for collaboration and creating value. And the burning platform is maybe my organization needs to go execute this uh, this project that delivers some value. So if I can merge the three worlds together at the center, at the core of those three elements is your sweet spot. And I think if you operate in that sweet spot, wow. you never work a, a, another day in your life because you're energized. <laughs> Right. You have passion. You're you're trained in what you're doing. And you're also meeting a burning need for the community Mm -hmm. or for the organization. Wow. 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 (laughs) I really, really love that. I really love that. So there's some introspection needed for people to really find that sweet spot. And how soon will you say that you found your sweet spot or how soon into your career did you know this because a lot of people kind of left careers that they didn't quite understand how, you know, this type of formula, what, what is the intersection between, you know, technology and, you know, my passions and my talents and all. So what would you say to those people? How should they set about finding it? And when should they do it? Like when they're like five years in or 10 years in and tired or <laughs> yeah, when do you very- think they can start? That's a very good question. Um, let's see. I, I would say if you're starting out, um, you know, just graduated from, from college or, or, you know, from two-year degree or wherever your, your starting point mm-hmm. is, I would say the, the first couple of years, the, the key is to, to be good at something, right? You, you want to have a foundation of whatever that discipline or whatever that career is based off of mm-hmm. before I think you can say I'm ready to take it to the next level. And, and the reason why I say that I, I see many times, um, you know, in my area of work, engineers, they come in and they want to move fast. But if you move so fast and you hadn't actually gained knowledge of the technology of the process of the systems that you're in support of, once you, once you get to the next level, you will be challenged. Right. And and then mm-hmm. if you, even if you get to that position where you're leading people, you need to know a little bit about the, the, the organization and what kind of value you bring or what what do you do as a department. And so I, I, when I mentor young professionals, first thing I say is, hey, let's make sure that you have a strong foundation in that that discipline that you're in. Let's focus on that. If it's in, in manufacturing or in maintenance reliability, I want you to learn the equipment. I want you to have an understanding of how the theory of that equipment works, mm-hmm. the physics behind that equipment, because you're going to need that skill set. Just like if you're uh, in math, you know, you got to take algebra and calculus one before you take engineering math. Right. You got to have some foundation. And for you to progressively promote and get to the point where you can tie these three elements together, uh, that foundation is going to be key. So I think after a couple, mm-hmm. maybe three years of, of getting the foundation, um, the next thing is you got to just try things out to see what what is actually your passion. You have to look internally. And, and one thing that I do when I coach um, and mentor uh, professionals that are kind of in that intermediate space in their career is what is your value mm-hmm. system? Your passion typically aligns to what you value. You know, you know, what's some of the core beliefs that you have in life, not just when you go to work? Do you like recognition? Do you like supporting teams? Mm-hmm. Do you like technology and innovation? You know, do you like working on, um, you know, more on the softer side where you're developing other people underneath you? So I think uh, we have some of these tools on our website where I call it the career development plan, where you go through an exercise and you list out what are your key values. And more times than not, those values translate to what your passion is. And now the next step is, how do we close the gap to get some skills around what you're passionate about um, and then starting to meet some of the needs against the, the burning platform? Hmm. 
Great, great. <laughs> and before you go, I know one thing I definitely want to learn from you. This razor sharp focus, right? Everyone does have these great ideas where they're like, ah, oh, I wish I could execute. What What is your productivity system? Because I see how consistent you are with your, um, with re-engineer, with your work. How, what are your hacks? Is <laughs> well, so it trademark? It's, no, not not trademark. Actually, I, I, I got this idea from Ursula Burns. If, if you if you know her, uh, I know she, her. Yeah, the yeah, former CEO. Yeah, former CEO of Xerox, and she was doing a talk one day to some some college students, and uh, several years ago, and I just this 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 term just kind of resonated with me. She talked about time management versus rhythm management. And for me, I, I agree with her, you know, similar to her. And of course, I'm not a CEO of a company, but she said time management is impossible for me. Right. If I try to apply time management, then I will always leave something unbalanced, whether or not that's mm-hmm. my family, you know, my my career, my focus with my job or community activities. And so she said, instead of time management, I do rhythm management where uh-huh. I listen yeah, I listen to the universe. I take all these inputs in from what's going rhythm on in my life. Management. And the, the universe guides me on a rhythm. So if it's if there's some um, you know high priority activities at work that, that need to be addressed, then the rhythm for the week may be more geared towards the job, right? So for me personally, re engineer might take a little bit of a backseat. Or if um, like for example, you know, my, my daughter, she's making two next week. And so we're gonna mm-hmm. celebrate her and, and you know do a photo shoot and all these great things. So my That's rhythm major. Man- yeah, my rhythm management for the next few days is gonna be on my family and supporting what we're doing there. Um and, 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 and the key thing about it is when you look at time management, you're giving twenty five percent here, thirty percent there, fifteen percent there, and nothing ever gets a hundred percent. So something sacrifices. So what, what I've tried to do is take Ursula's thought and break that down and say, I'm going to go 100 percent on whatever I'm doing at the moment. So if I have an idea, a creative idea for re-engineer, then, you know, it's probably you know, maybe I have to wait till the weekend and work on it. But for that moment in time, that's what I'm extremely focused on. Right. I'm not not having interactions from outside of work or, you know, dealing with, you know, some family issues with uh, my larger family, I'm focused only on re-engineer. And when I'm done, I'm done. Then I go to the next whatever activity or, or uh, priority. So, yeah, I look at rhythm management. As I've been applying that uh, since I've heard <laughs> Ursula's uh, talk about it. And it, it's worked really well for me. It helps me organize my life better. I will definitely go look that up. Sounds like something I could use. Because <laughs> someone said it's not just about time management. It's also about energy management as well. And if there's stuff in front of your face, that's where you put your energies at that time and not. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you got to say no. You know, like I said, mm. there, will, there will always be more great ideas and you have the capacity to execute. So um, mm. sometimes you just got to put, well, don't say no. Just say not now. Mm. Right? Just extend the time. Yeah, because some people think that once it's good, they have to say yes, but not necessarily. I think, in fact, the the higher you go or the more you improve, you find it, you you start saying no to (laughs) even good things, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard. Okay, so let me wrap up with this. Shadrach, you're um, a black engineer in the U.S. where we have significantly lower representation than the actual number of our population or our our ratios in the U.S. How do you think someone listening now, what could they do to make things better? And I know you're doing great work in re-engineer with that, but any tips, any guides you can give us now? Yeah. So, yeah, one of the things that is why we created the magazine is we're on this focus now where the platform is showcasing other other black, outstanding black engineers. 
mm-hmm. where people can see that there is a possibility for them to strive to become that. Um, if you look mm-hmm. at the data, the data shows, I don't know, maybe uh, the 80s and, and early 90s, maybe mid 90s, the trend of African-Americans that are, were getting their engineering degrees from college was increasing year over year. Somewhere around the, the turn of the start of the new millennium, that trend is starting to go down, right? And there's a, a whole host of reasons why that's the case. One of the things that I'm encouraging people to do or focusing on is, is to try to be more visible about, you know, the, the talented professionals that are having successful careers in engineering so that people can ascribe to become that one day. Um, I think sure enough, there's a, like the Hidden Figures movie uh, from years ago gives some great uh, media around STEM, especially around women in STEM. But it can't just be just one, you know, dropping in the moment. We have to continuously provide these examples uh, for the next generation of professionals coming up. Um, and then the second thing I can say is really with, if you're a leader in this space, uh, is to have some conversations with young adults and, um, and, and, and high school students to encourage them really to even be exposed to mm. STEM and engineering. Uh, I've talked to so many, you know, engineers and, and leaders in, in my, uh, my network and many of them have said, you know, only reason why I, I, I jumped into engineering was because someone mentored me or someone exposed me to it. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, the, the simplest solution is just, you know, having a conversation with a, a young person about what you do and what's a day in the life of an engineer. Right. And then that creates mm. a, somewhat of a bridge to get into uh, engineering programs. <laughs> All right. So for the goodbyes, I know I said this was last, but for the goodbyes, there's a question I always ask people. So my faith has been my encore. It's really my guide is what gives me the visions that I have. It's my perspective with which I see the world. So I like to ask people as well, um, how has your faith guided you to where you are and how does it lead you? What does it mean to you? Yeah, so it, it's you know one of the core reasons why I created the re-engineer concept. But my, my faith is important because I understand that at some point, all of us have to, to leave the world. And I want to be in a position that creates this legacy a value stream for my family and then for everyone I'm connected with. And so that ties in specifically to my purpose in life, right? I, I don't want to feel like, Hey, God's given me this awesome opportunity to drive a vision. And I left this world without having some progress against it. Right. Because now I have to, I have to be accountable back to that seed mm-hmm. that was placed in me early in life. And so my, my faith is really, a, you know, I sit, just like the experience I had with getting the name for engineer, I sit and I listen to God and I meditate, you know, what's the next step? What's the direction? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like maybe some people, but I don't know about you, but, but God doesn't necessarily come and sit in my lap and tell me what to do. <laughs> I know. Right. Like, <laughs> this is the blueprint. I, I wish this it was a five step mandate. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and do like, your hey, PowerPoint you presentation. Give me the next step. You know, I'm ready. Just give it. Um, but what happens is, in terms of my faith, is I have to be very intentional about observing what's around me, you know, whether or not that's in my career, at the workplace, uh, the community, going to the grocery store, you know, even, you know, receiving input from, from social media. Um, I, I, I read a lot of the comments on social media because that tells me what people are feeling and what kind of challenges they're, they're faced with. with. And so really... God speaks to me through people and through situations. And so mm. I've tried to be intentional with being interruptible. So if things come up and I'm like, man, I got I got this razor sharp focus, right? I'm working on this assignment, but it's a moment where I, I need to be interrupted to observe that situation uh, because God may be, you know, revealing something to me. In yeah. That moment, yeah. Right. Right. So, that's how, you know, in terms of applying faith is just really, you know, listening back from, from God, the universe, what's the direction I need to go into next. Um, and without a doubt, it's it, God is what uh, he's undefeated. <laughs> he, he will give you that next step or the next course, course of action. And once you've achieved whatever that thing is, 
um, you get that confirmation. And there's no better feeling in the world to know that something was was mm-hmm. ordained for you and you labored through it and you got to the end. And now you have this journey of an experience that you can use for the next journey. Oh, wow. I'm full. <laughs> I'm absolutely full. But I just want to say thank you for stopping by today to just inspire us all the way from your, you know, starting days and why you studied engineering and your mom being just that pillar of strength to you talking about the great work uh, we could do with more collaboration, teamwork, and uh, change being, or the the type of change we seek being improvement. I really like that. And I'll start using that word now. (laughs) And maybe I'll seem cool to my team. So I really like that one as well. And then you moved on to, I mean, talking about re-engineer and the great work you guys are doing and the impact you're making. That that was so inspiring. And now we're at your practices and you're talking about focus, how to just zone in on what you want to do as well as, you know, creating value just by working in your sweet spot. I really love that. And I'm going to be using that. <laughs> be aggressively patient. Ooh, that's a lesson in, ha. Ah. I kind of, I, I need to go sit down with that one, <laughs> but that's great. Well, thank you for stopping by. And I'm sure that, you know, my people will be very happy to get this message from you today and definitely connect with Shadrach. You can see all the details in the show notes, go right there, connect with him, very active on LinkedIn and um, so other social media platforms course and you can email reengineer.co as well they have one of the greatest websites ever i don't know how you did it you obviously have a lot more skills <laughs> than you let on but thank you so much for your time i trust you have been elevated and empowered with insights from today's episode thank you for subscribing and reviewing the stellify podcast let's continue the conversation on instagram and facebook at Stellify with Bralade, or you could check me out at my website, www.bralade.com. Have a great week. The Stellification continues.